Lord, we love your word, and we come once again equipped by you with your Holy Spirit today to have eyes to see your word, to be changed through your power as we apply ourselves to the study and delight in your word. Lord, we consider who you are. We want to honor you in our time together today. We want for you to be pleased with us, your children. We pray, Lord, that you would help us not just to hear, but to obey, to be obedient children as you are our Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, just some observations, kind of big picture observations here. This is the fifth commandment. It's that transition command, and it comes as a, a, a positive command. This is, this is interesting. This is one of the positive commandments that we see in the ten words of the Ten Commandments. So the promise that attaches with this is also significant. It is a promise of blessing. It is a promise that uh, it will go well with you, and it's also a future blessing. Think of this. The land that the Lord is giving you. What is that land? The Sinai wilderness that they're wandering in? No. It's the promised land. And so, especially in view, would be the generation beneath those who the Lord will kill off in the wanderings for 40 years. So it does meet children, but it doesn't only meet children. And this is why... Uh, all of us today are being addressed by the fifth commandment. So parents, buckle up especially, and uh, everybody in view uh, as we go. The promise. Now, it's not a promise that you're going to be 85, 90, 95 years old if you do this. This is, this is a promise of God's blessing. But there is, in a sense, a general uh, understanding that this is the best way for the family to function. This is the best way for kids to come up. And God is disposed to bless those who obey this commandment. Similar to uh, uh, the uh, promise or the call in Scripture, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. Uh, you know what I mean? That's not a guarantee, but there's a principle in it. Right? There's, there's a, a confidence in this way as God's way and a way of blessing as you live it out. Honor your father and your mother. Now, the challenge that we have is that we live in a broken and rebellious world. You can see on your sermon notes that there's a number of things to fill in. This is point number one. We come to this commandment and all of us, all of us in here, bring baggage we come to this right because here's the deal we're sinners and we're all children of sinners our parents were sinners their parents were sinners and we believe it or not young marrieds we have sinners who will be blessed to grow up in our home so how then do we come to this commandment? Because the challenge I had as I sat down and began to study is, well, there's a myriad of questions. What if my parents don't care at all about the Lord? How do I honor them? What if 
I don't even know my dad. Yeah, I'd like to honor him if I knew him. What if the last thing that comes to my mind when I think about my father or my mother is the word honor? Right? This is real. And and some of you, I know your stories. This is not easy. So the challenge for us here is to do our best to enter into this commandment and find a way to honor the Lord in obeying a commandment when we know that we live in such a broken world. Sin-riddled existence. Some of the most challenging battles in life relate to your father and your mother and experiences you had. We live in a world that is shredded by the strategies of Satan. Here's one thing we have to understand. Yes, we are sinners. And Satan uh, is the, the one who plays on our sinful inclinations. He is the tempter of our souls. Now, for believers, we are set free from his reign in our lives. We are set free to obey God now, but we're still tempted. For those who are not set free from Uh, the power of Satan, they are slaves to sin. And in that, Satan delights to lead people in this world into sin. It's been said that culture, in its most pessimistic definition, could be called organized sin. We are surrounded by a culture defined by sin, friends. Now, we're called to shine a light and to be transforming realities within that. We subvert these things with the gospel, but we've got to acknowledge this. The norm, the spirit of the day, is not one that rejoices in the fifth commandment. Honor your father and your mother. What are some of these strategies of the enemy? One, he wants to lead people to reject God's commandments. If he can get people to reject the commandments altogether, he is celebrating. Don't even pay attention to it. Just reject it. That's why attacks on the Word of God itself are so at the forefront of his strategy. If I can undercut the very Word of God, then I can get people to ignore it altogether and write it off. A second strategy is to encourage people to fan the flame of our sinful sinful inclination against authority. Stir us to rebel against authority. Is that in in our day? I mean, do you see the question asked in school? Oh, did you check with your parents? Is that the first question that's asked? Rebel against authority whether it be political, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the church, whether it be sitting on a motorcycle with a radar gun. I'm thankful that I didn't get pulled over this week. The guy in front of me did. And I went by, thank you, Lord, warning heeded. Rebel against authority. This is a foundational commandment that we equip our kids with so that when they are launched into this world where authority is real and necessary and good, it serves many good functions, that we equip them to respect, honor, and obey authority. Redefine God-given roles 
Oh, this is a hobby in our world. The husband is the spiritual leader of the home. No, 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 no. Not in this progressive culture. The wife is called to submit and tuck under her husband's leadership in the home. No, no, no. That's archaic. That's a relic of the past. That's 1950. Come on, live in the now. Be progressive, you fundamentalist. Oh, but it's, it's God's Word. You see, the, you see the, the challenge we have is we live in a culture that delights to redefine, rebel, and reject. And we are a people who are called to do exactly the opposite. Ruin the family. Oh, this is one of the most effective strategies of the enemy. Ruin the family altogether. If I can take the basic unit of society thriving and flourishing in any culture, the family, and I can stir it to change it altogether, well, how about daddy and daddy? Or two mommies and no daddy? Or the kids rule the roost? Whatever the child decides, that's what we're going to do. You see, if you can ruin the family, you can bring an entire society to its knees in a matter of a generation or two. There is God-designed structure and purpose and definition to the, the roles and function of just a basic family unit. A father and a mother and the children. The father, the spiritual leader of the home, the mother brought as a helpmeet to him, alongside him in his leading and helping, but joyfully submitting, intelligently supporting, propping up his leading in the home as a spiritual leader. And the children honoring their father and their mother. You will not find in history a society that flourishes that rejects this. Not for long. It will cave in upon itself. And I think this last strategy, just one more R word, is this. Repeat. Church, history, the history of the world shows this. Just do it over and over. There's nothing new under the sun. This enemy delights to do these things and many more and then just hit repeat. It worked Already, let's do it again. Let's keep going. And we live in this culture right now that is increasingly godless and falling prey to this mirage in the desert. We're called to stand out. We're called to have a backbone, to stand for the Word of God when all around us, the drift continues. Hmm. And so... We ask the, the question, is this command really that big of a deal? I mean, we've got murder next week, adultery, lying, right, stealing. Uh, I mean, th these are big sins, right? Idolatry. Honor your father and mother. You, you, I mean, if you're like me, you kind of look at this and you're like, well, that's kind of a given. I mean, kids, obey your parents. That, really, that's that big a deal? That it's in the ten words, the transition between vertical and horizontal. Just to give you a, a bit of a glimpse 
for how serious God is about this commandment. Deuteronomy 21:18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, this is our son. Our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. And so you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. How serious is the fifth commandment? It carried the death penalty for a settled stubborn refusal to honor and obey that's a serious thing i can't even fathom this we are a long way removed from this kind of punishment it's that big a deal the lord knows if it is left unchecked in a culture in a society of his people who are defined by him that it will move like poison So, good news, we don't do this anymore. Kids, you're like, whoa, okay. I'll give you an example. Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son. What was the posture of the father to a son? Stubborn, a drunkard, a sluggard who took the money and ran, lived with the pigs and then came home. Did he gather the elders to stone him to death? He showed him mercy and grace and forgiveness. He met him with arms wide open and rejoiced that his son repented and came home. Now, the older brother didn't do so well in that story. i give you a bit of a New Testament look at it, however, lest we think that it's just a relic of the Old Testament. This is in two different lists in the New Testament that Paul writes. One is in Romans 1, a very serious list. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. One of the displays of sinful depravity is a complete rejection of the father and the mother. A refusal to obey, a refusal to honor and esteem. We have to take it seriously. This command carries a weight for us as believers. How are you to honor your father God? How do you relate to Him as father, as son, daughter? We display these things in part on these relationships that we have here. There's a myriad of questions about how this is all going to work out in your specific situation. Some of you, your parents are already gone. They're dead. Some of you, you don't know your parents. Some of you say, I love my parents. I don't, I don't struggle with this. I mean, there's so many different scenarios. So I'm going to trust the Lord to land these words for us and call us forward because I guarantee you this, we can all grow 
in the way that we show honor to our father and our mother. Honor your father and your mother. That's the call. Now, what does it mean to honor our parents? What, what does that word honor carry with it? And build this out a little bit. Honor means to esteem, uh, to show respect for, to even revere, and certainly to fear uh, in the biblical sense. To fear them, to respect them, uh, to take seriously their words, to carry a weight. In fact, in Leviticus, it uses this word, every one of you shall revere his mother and father. Revere them. Speaking to the children. There's a few different aspects of this. I want to build some of these things out. Young people, children, uh, even those who have, uh, have come up through the, the, the years, these things can be ap applying to you as well. Number one, recognize their God-given role. Their God-given role. God is sovereign, and He chose in His all-wise purpose and plan, He chose to put you under them in this family environment. One of the things that we must do is recognize that the authority of my father and mother is a derived authority. And it comes from that which God has imparted to them to function in a role in the family. Number two, respect their God-given authority. So, number one, recognize their role. Their role. And two, respect their God-given authority. It's given by God. And it is to be respected. Because ultimately, it's not about the parents, really, is it? It's about God. It's about His design, His best. Respect does not mean all the time agree. The parents are sinners too. I mean, the older I get, the more I understand this. They did their best. But they were fallen, broken people who had blind spots and, and areas that God was chiseling on them, and they still are. So no, no parent is going to shepherd perfectly. And some parents are far from that. But there still is a call to respect the authority that God has bestowed on the parents. We speak about authority and submission. This is something in our day that is just frowned upon. As if somehow authority is just a result of the fall. It's always wrong. It's not true. There is authority in the Godhead. The Father and the son submitting his will to the father, that relationship of old, it is a, 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 a relationship of submission. And the spirit submitting his will to the father and the son. In the church, you have the uh, under shepherds who tuck under the chief shepherd. They are called to uh, shepherd in the church. Who are they called to shepherd? The sheep. And so there is a, a function and a structure of authority in the church. That's what church discipline is built on. And it all goes back to the authority of God's Word in my life that would lead me then to, as some are in the process of right now, to be a part of, to join a church, to become a member, and to joyfully say, I submit myself to the leadership of this church in view of Jesus Christ who builds His church and also in the home.
as I've already said. Let me give you a glimpse of this because this is, this is kind of mind-blowing. Jesus in the temple at age 12, he goes to the temple. His parents, they don't know where he's at. They find him. And if you are Joseph and Mary, you're probably a little bit, I don't know, if you're like me when you lose things, especially kids, it's kind of a big deal. You're a little edgy, maybe. And they say, Jesus, what are you doing in here? And he says, I'm in my father's house. I mean, this is, this is my father's house. Where did you think I would be? As he teaches the priests at 12 years old. And they said, come with us. We're leaving. Look at this. And Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Let's stop and think about this. Jesus is without sin. He is sinless. His parents are not. And Jesus joyfully submits his will to their authority. Who's he submitting to ultimately? His father. The God of gods. So if Jesus, the one who is without sin, can submit his will to sinful parents, so can we. Obey your parents in the Lord. Number three, one of the things that it means to honor your parents is to obey. Obey. And this is obvious in New Testament writings that relate then back to this command. I'll show you these two references. Ephesians 6.1, dealing with the family. Paul addresses the children in the congregation. Imagine you're out there and, and this letter's being written and all of a sudden, you hear the words of Paul, children. Ooh. The Apostle Paul's talking to us, guys. Hey, hey. Quit shooting spitwads. Listen. Okay? Obey your parents in the Lord. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? For this is right. It's right because God has commanded it. God has created this structure and you are to obey your parents in the Lord in such a way as to obey the Lord you obey your parents Colossians 3:20 also children obey your parents in everything for what's the basis of my obedience for this pleases the Lord that's pretty comprehensive wow Okay, so kids, you feeling a little conviction here? To disobey your parents is to disobey the Lord. That should land. To disobey your father or your mother is to disobey the God who is, who has given this command. Honor builds out obedience, though. And we've seen this before. Ethan, I'd like you to wash the car. Okay? Now, if my son Ethan said, fine, wash the car, scrub, 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 spray off, dry, it's done. Has he obeyed? Well, technically speaking, he, he washed the car. Has he honored? No. I don't think he's obeyed or honored. Because the heart, 
the posture of the heart is to be not just raw obedience. It is to be joyful submission and obedience. This is not easy, friends. And kids especially, we, we know sin nature, the inclination to my will be done. And when my parents say, this is what we'd like you to do, whew, you've got a battle. Because ultimately, it's not about your parents. It's about God. It's about God. What if they tell me to do something that's sinful? What if my parents say, here's the deal, son. This is a very important test. And you need to pass this in order to get the scholarship. So, I've done a little something for you, and you take this with you, and you look at it if you need to. This is all the answers from your book. Use this. And I'm telling, I'm telling you, you must cheat on this test. We can't make it unless you cheat. What do you do? Oh, I've got multiple commands now. Because I am in the first four commandments called to honor the Lord. But as I come to the fifth commandment, now I'm having this thing like, well, what? that's sinful. But I'm called to obey in everything. So, if the question arises, always defer to the first four. That's what I would encourage us. Always, children, always defer to the first four. Honor the Lord, even above your parents, if they ask you to do something sinful and wrong. Now, there still is a way to honor in this disagreement. I would encourage conversation, and it could be an opportunity to witness if your parents are unsaved. Think of this. If God gets a hold of my life and my parents don't know what the gospel is, they don't walk with the Lord, and I dishonor them while I honor God, that's completely inconsistent. So the effect of a new heart in my life should dispose me to a soft heart even in my disagreements and different priorities with unbelieving parents to find a way to obey and honor the Lord first and foremost always but still honor in those moments where I would disagree. Teenagers, I think this is important. Be careful, oh, be careful not to forge the name of God on your will or intentions. I think we've got to be very careful to say, well, my parents want me to sin because I just want to do this. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Number four, show gratitude for their love and sacrifice. For some of you, this is extremely difficult. You have to hunt for this. What do you mean love and sacrifice? Uh, where was that? Right? Some of you are like, okay, I didn't see a lot of that. But this is what I would call us all to then. Find a way to express gratitude, even if it's difficult. For many of you, as you get older, you see this more. I confess, I did, not, I did not appreciate the work of motherhood until Jenny and I had Ethan, our first child. And then I, I was like, wow! I, don't re I was too young to remember all of the sleepless nights, all of the love and the care and the time and the, the work parenting 
show gratitude for their love and sacrifice for you. I would just say this, and this meets all of us. There is incredible power in these words. Thank you. Thank you. Children, to come to your parents, give them a hug and just say, thank you for being my parents. Thank you for working so hard to take care of us. Thank you for loving us. Even for disciplining us and shaping us. Thank you for what you do. On a big picture level, this needs to be said. When anyone does something nice for you, please say thank you. This kind of goes without saying, but there have been situations, even here in this church, where there have been just lavish displays of love and silence in return. Friends, we are a grateful people. And when we love one another, oh, these words matter. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for this meal. Parents, teach these words to your kids. It's not just courtesy. It's not just being nice. It's heart work on the inside. How long should we honor our parents? This question begs, doesn't it? Some of you are getting those teenage years wrapped up and you're getting some freedom and you're thinking, okay, how long do I do this? Well, one text points us, and I think it tells us a lot here. In Genesis, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Ironically, Adam didn't have any parents. The Lord is speaking this to a man with no parents. Why did he say it then? To us. He, he said this to us. There is a leaving and a cleaving, a forming of a new family unit with authority and structure. And in that, there is a break. There is to be a break. And some of you need to be reminded of this break, right? Your spouse is like, see, honey, about your mom, right? Leave and cleave. Give difference to your wife over your parents. You have a new family now. You are not called to obey your parents your whole life. You are called to honor them your whole life, but not to obey them your whole life. I would say in this, there is also a display of a transition for those who aren't married. You're, you're growing up. You're becoming an adult. And in this, that means, I would say, that you can honor your parents and are called to honor your parents as adults, but you don't have to obey them anymore. I remember uh, as newlyweds, we were trying to find a, our first apartment, and safety was an important thing out there. It wasn't so high on my list, if you know my childhood. Um, but I got married, and, and Jenny's uh, parents wanted to make sure we were safe and so they had some opinions about where we should live and and our, jenny and i kind of had some opinions too and and they clashed what are we going to do we don't care what you think no that's not honoring we sat down and i esteemed them for their wisdom and their kindness to want to help us find a safe place to live but then i said but now we're a family unit and we're going to make this decision we respect your suggestions, but if we do something different, we're free to. That was an important change, and it was good for Jenny's parents, and it was good for us. 
honor your parents as adults. There is a way to disagree and honor. And there is a way to disagree and slam your parents. How about this? Honoring our parents in their final years. You know, what's interesting is there were a few commentators that I read who would suggest that this command actually had this in view even more than the children. That as your parents, this generation who is going to die in the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, as these young people come up through the ranks, they are called to honor their parents in that they are called to care for, to love, to support, to help sustain them in the years where they are less and less capable. You kind of reverse the role. Some of you are in this right now where your parents need the kind of care that you needed when you were born. It's, it's just changing. We live in a culture that just says, in large part to the older generation, you're not needed. You're a burden. You're using up social security. I'm sick of this kind of talk. That's not who we are. Friends, with gray hair, we love you. We need you. You matter. What would we do without the wisdom of years that you bring to this fellowship, this family? So too, children, to love and care for and honor their parents as they age. Listen to your father who gave you life. The words meet the adult son. And do not despise your mother when she is old. That's hard work sometimes. I know as my parents cared for uh, their parents, there, there were some difficult years, especially with my mom's uh, mom in the home. Those were some tough days. But I saw this text lived out. And the example benefits. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, think of this. This is how Scripture, how serious this is. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Whoa! There's a bar for how we are to care for our aging parents. I worked for a couple semesters in a nursing home in downtown Chicago. It was a high-dollar place that was horrible, hopeless, and dire. And we would go and sit and read Scripture, sing and encourage and just tell stories with and listen to these old folks. And nine out of ten of them said, I never hear from my family. They pay for this place, and that's it. And my heart broke for those folks. They had incredible stories to tell. Some of these World War II guys told me all kinds of stories. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, where are the families to care for these folks? And that doesn't mean that a nursing home is wrong. It means that we are called to carry forward a care, not just sign a check. Provide, protect, care, love, visit, encourage, pray for and with, include and enter in. This meets us all. How does this command meet parents? This is an aspect of this command that didn't hit me until a few days into study. 
I got to think, uh, well, it certainly meets the kids and it meets the adult uh, children as they care for their aging parents. But what about parents who are raising kids? This command is for you. It's for me. Number one, teach your children to obey and honor you. That it may go well with them, as it says in the New Testament. This is right according to God's Word. We live in a generation that encourages orphans in homes. Buy a really large home so my child can have his space and so that we can have a toy-free space over here. That's orphanage. It's not a home. Teach your children to obey and honor you. Keep them close. Equip them to obey this commandment. People who say, well, you should never tell your child no. That is hogwash. Can we just agree on that? The Ten Commandments are filled with no. There should be a regular thou shalt not in love to your children. What cultural nonsense is this? Oh, you're, you're going to crush their spirit. No, spare the rod and spoil the child. Love them enough to teach them and equip them to obey you and honor you. This is a call to parents in a generation that is upside down when it comes to children honoring their parents. Some of you who teach in schools, you see this firsthand. You somehow survive the onslaught of children who are raised in homes where honoring parents is absent. What a mission field that is. Why do we do this? Because ultimately it's not about you, parents. It's about God. It's about God. The work of parenting is one step after another of handing your child to the hand of the Father. And if you don't equip them to obey and honor you, why should they care to do that for the Lord, their Heavenly Father? I would add this. Set a high bar for honor, married people, in the way that you speak to and about your spouse in front of your children. Here's the thing. Your children will rarely rise above the bar that you set for honoring your spouse. Man, I tell you what, I remember as a young man, when I rolled my eyes at my mom, oh my goodness, my dad let me know. Don't you ever do that in this house. That is disrespectful. She is your mother. I remember that. Oh, that's a big deal. Why? Because I was dishonoring her. Now, if my dad would have told me that and scolded me and then two minutes later rolled his eyes at my mom, would I have listened and obeyed that? I mean, like, well, whatever. You don't. Why should I? Set a high bar. Prop up your spouse in the eyes of your children and make it easy for them to honor their mother and their father. This is so important. Especially when you're mad. <laughs> especially when you're mad. Secondly, disciple and discipline them according to God's word. There's a, a, a teaching, an instruction, and a correction that is to function in the parenting work. 
Disciple. The root word of discipline is to disciple. You're discipling. It's a hand-in-hand work. Equip them to obey. Correct them when they don't. In fact, you could say it this way. Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction. See both of these? Of the Lord. Fathers, you're the pastor of your family. Don't forget this. You are the pastor of your family. Make sure that you are doing this work. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? We can't be afraid of discipline in our day. We live in an upside-down culture that says that spanking is wrong. I would say, done correctly, spanking is love. Done incorrectly, it's abuse. When done in anger or rage and coming to spank, I'm not ready to spank. But if I come and I am calm and I am for the child and I am coming to love them and correct them, I am coming not to spare the rod, but to save them. Don't punish ignorance. Punish defiance. That's when we spank. That's when we discipline. Don't punish ignorance. Teach in that moment. I didn't know. Teach, 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 instruct. Even if you're frustrated, that's the moment for teaching. Not punishment, but defiance. When teaching has happened, you have equipped, you have brought the understanding of the scenario and it's clear, it's received. Do you understand? Yes, I do. Are you going to do it? No, I'm not. Then, punishment. Why? Because they break the fifth commandment. And if you don't, you disobey God too. You become a partner in their sin. You enable them and become complicit. We've got to hear this again. This is obvious throughout scriptures as we read but it's not obvious in the culture that we live we have to make sure we stay true to these things as we raise up the next generation Hmm. number three remember the goal of christian parenting is the gladness of our children and the glory of god so we covered last week right parenting is about evangelism ultimately Parenting is not about me creating a list of things to squash my children under and get them to just be under control. Parenting is not equipping my children to just be good people and succeed in school. Pharisees would celebrate that. No. Parenting is to do everything I can to shepherd them to the Lord. You can say it this way. Shepherd them to the Savior who saved you from your sins. In those moments of defiance, employ biblical language to describe what's taking place. We're talking about sin here. We're, we're, we're talking about sin. That's serious. And it's not just about me. It's about him. Now come with me and let's repent. Come. This is loving, gospel-focused discipline. My parents did this so well for me, and it just made the gospel glorious to me. I knew my sin at a young age, in part because 
I heard about it when I disobeyed my parents. There is forgiveness. There is mercy to be found. Oh, come and let's pray. I have been forgiven too. Daddy needs Jesus just as much as you. Mm. How do you respond when you fail? Do you employ similar biblical language? I sinned. What I did was wrong. I've gone to the Lord and I've asked forgiveness. Will you forgive me for my sin? We model the gospel in our parenting, friends. This goes for grandparents. This goes for church family members. Whether you have children or not, you can model the gospel as you walk with these folks. So our response this morning, uh, it's my prayer that the many different angles of this command have met us in some very practical ways. I mean, there, there's some application to be had here. One of the things that I did is I got on the phone and I called my parents. And I just, I, I got their attention and after we talked about just, you know, things, I said, I just want to tell you how grateful I am for how you've shaped me and shepherded me. I'm, I'm so thankful for the way God has used you in my life. And just, just like grab their attention and say these words to honor them. Here's the question. How have you broken this command? And what can you do today to honor your father and mother? Maybe this week. What, what in your life has God brought to mind of a breach of the fifth commandment? And what needs to be done? For some of you, it's this morning. You, it's, it's, it's not hard to find. Well, I did that this morning. I have some work to do today. Parents, how can you help your children obey the Lord on this point? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We all, all of us here are lawbreakers. We fall short. We thank you for not treating us according to our sins as we deserve, but to to show mercy on us by sending your son to take our place and to die our death and to drink our wrath from you poured on him that we might be forgiven for breaking the fifth commandment. We thank you for your mercy in, in treating us as sons to discipline us and, and raise us up and, and your patience. Oh, Father, thank you for your patience with us. I pray that we would be more a people who would regard you and esteem you and honor and obey you. And in that, that this fifth commandment would live for us. We need your help with this, Lord. Help us this week to, to esteem and honor our father and our mother. In Jesus' name, amen.